This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Didn't get what you wanted for Christmas? Need a nice new t-shirt or hoodie of your favorite band for the new year? Check out Rockabilia.com and use promo code PCLSS to save 15% off your entire order right now. I'm sick with this, I'm sick with this. Since you went to the bottom, blood judgment. My arms went down to the ditch, whatever. I didn't recognize you for this anymore. I don't want to be defeated, I don't want to be defeated, I don't want to be defeated. Happy New Year! January 2nd, 2018. Woo! I hope everyone is sufficiently recovered from ringing in the New Year. I am. I actually just had my second non-drunken New Year's Eve in a row. Can you believe that? Last year, it was because I was just getting back from my solo tour. Uh, Things were a little hectic. Uh, This year, it was, well, I had a crazy stomach bug. And uh, I won't go into details. It was not pretty. But uh, here I am, second day into the new year. I'm all recovered. And welcome back, my sinners, to another year of this podcast. Man, it's been such a wild ride so far. I'm just, to ring in 2018 with you guys is so exciting. And we have a great new episode with a fucking legend of heavy metal. Mr. Rob Flynn of Machine Head is here. Seriously, he is one of the best in the business. I am so stoked he took the time out of his very busy schedule to chat with me. Before we get into that, you guys know you can get in touch with me. Just, you know, let's do the refreshers here. Leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com is the email address. Hit it up. If you're not so happy, we have the hate line. And I think 2018, this could be a hateful kind of fucking year, if you know what I'm saying. So feel free, if you're not so happy with this or anything really in general, give me a call, hit up the hate line. It is 657-666-HATE. Again, 657-666-H-A-T-E. Leave me a message. I will listen to it. I'll get it poorly transcribed on my phone email too, so I can even read it. But I do want to hear 
all of your hate. Also, we are on Instagram. It's Lead Singer Syndrome. We're on Twitter, at Lead Singer Sin. There's a Facebook page, which one of my little New Year's resolutions is to get that Facebook page back in tip-top shape. Uh, So yeah, hit us up on all of those. Also, speaking of New Year's resolutions, I know the haters say, oh, it's just another day. Why pick January 1st? Why not another random day, like April 27th or something? Well, it's just different. I don't know. It's a new year. It's a new start. Everybody loves it. Everyone wants to be better. And I personally think if someone wants to do, you know, better things for themselves, it's a positive thing. So I say, let's embrace it. So send me them. Send me your New Year's resolutions. Email me. And let's, you know, let's have some accountability here. So so what about me? Well, two years ago, I had a New Year's resolution, a pretty easy one, to take the month of January off drinking alcohol. And I did it. I did it with flying colors. I didn't have a drop. And last year, a bit harder one, I wanted to get in better shape. So I remember saying last year that uh, I was 176 pounds and I wanted to get down to 160. Well, it went really, really well at the beginning of the year. And in April, I got down to 162 and I was like, oh, I'm home free. I'm done. And of course, you know what happens. Uh, it didn't go so well after. So today I step on the scale just to see, and it said 176 pounds. (laughs) So I figure let's try this again. Let's get down to 160, but then let's try to keep the weight off till the end of the year. And I hope when I'm recording this on January 2nd, 2019, oh my God, that's so scary to say. It'll say 160 pounds. So that is my news resolution. I know it's a, a typical one, uh, but it's important. I think it's good. Health is important. And as I've talked about on this podcast, I have had a few health issues. I even talk about it in this episode. So all I can do to help myself is good. And uh, I know I have your support, my sinners. Oh, and I have a second one too. I'm going to go gamble free in 2018. I'm a bit of a gambler, as you guys know, and I hit a big jackpot. In Las Vegas uh, over Christmas, my sister lives there, so I spend a lot of time in Las Vegas over the holidays, and I think I'm going to go out on top, at least for a year. So 2018, getting healthy, getting slim, and no more gambling. So that is my news resolution. I really want to hear from you as well, so hit me up. Let's be accountable. Let's do it. As for me right now, I'm gearing up for a big Silverstein tour. It just starts in like a couple weeks. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, it's called the Get Free Tour, thegetfreetour.com. It is Silverstein with our friends all the way from Australia, Tonight Alive, what a great band. Also featuring Broadside and Picturesque. It's going to be a great tour going all across America. There's a Toronto date at Stay Warm Festival as well. Check out all that stuff. Go to thegetfreetour.com for tickets and VIP. Huge thank you to my sinners who sent me beautiful and sometimes pretty hilarious Christmas presents. It was really, really sweet of all you guys. Uh, And if you missed it, if you didn't send me anything, it's okay. My birthday is coming in just six weeks. So if you feel like checking out my wish list, literally, I do have a wish list. Yes, I do. Uh, It is over at leadsingersyndrome.com slash wish list. So if you want to send me anything, anything at all, uh, even if it's a bag of dicks, which someone sent me once. Uh, I think it was tongue in cheek, but we'll never know for sure. 
check out, again, leadsingersyndrome.com slash wishlist. But if you want to help with the show, I know I say it every single week. I'm going to say it again. It's been a year, just over a year now, since we kicked off the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. And a shout out to all my sinners. We're at like 250 members now. It's a great time. And if you want more, if one episode a week isn't enough, if last week when I didn't do one for Christmas, if you were jonesing for one, maybe you need to be a member of the All Access Club. You get bonus episodes, you get monthly Q&A sessions with me, we run contests, you get free merchandise sent to your house, and you become a part of a great community where fans of the show and myself, we all join together, we have a blast, we plan events, shout out to Centerfest, and we have the best time. And best of all, it costs less than a combo at Taco Bell, okay? Maybe not Las Vegas Taco Bell, but at most Taco Bells across the lower 48 states, okay? So check it out, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. I would love to see you on there. That's got all the information, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. All right, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Rob Flynn of Machine Head. Is it Shane? Yeah, man. How are you? Dude, sorry for uh, being late here. My Dude, last review went way over. Don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it at all. You uh, you requested you want a video? Or is this yeah. okay? You want just audio? I prefer video. Let's do it. Uh, how do I do this? I'm like very not well-versed in Skype. Uh, do I want to show? Yes. Yes, I do. Hey, there he is. Oh, there you are. Dude, hey. How's it going, man? Look at us, technological wizards here. I know, aren't we amazing? This is uh, this is crazy. No, it's it's very nice to uh, hear you and see you. Uh, I'm here I with a microphone too, but I was trying to get it to hook up, and I got a Zoom, so I can. Oh, dude! You can walk me through that. I don't know if that's better for you. Are course. you rec- are you recording? I'm not recording. I was just bringing it out because I had it, and so if, if you you've got it, to- if you've got it, batteries and mic plugged in, just turn on and record your audio, and then you can just send it to me. When you're done, and then we'll have perfect audio. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can do that. That's All like right. that's the dream for me, man. All right. Uh, all right. Have we met before? No, I don't think I've ever met you. No, I think we've done some festivals in uh, together with my band and your band, like in I want to say like the UK, maybe or something. Yeah, maybe download Silver- or something like that. Silverstein. Yeah. Yeah, I met one of your guys. At the airport in New York. Oh, really? Random. We both got in line for a taxi. And uh, I want to say it was your guitar player or something. But uh, he was like, he's like, are you Rob Flynn? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, dude, I'm so-and-so from Silverstein. I'm like, oh, shit. That's amazing. So we talk, just talking there for like five minutes in line waiting for a cab. So. Yeah. No, it's, t- it's funny because uh, the guitar player, I know who you're talking about for sure, our old guitar player, Neil. He um he had a machine head shirt, a burn my eyes shirt, and he wore it to school like every day. 
yeah. You rotated between between that and a and a Metallica and Justice for All shirt. That was like we used to make fun of him because he was like that kid that only had like two shirts. <laughs> nice. All right, here I am. I'm recording. We're good. All right, man. We did it. We're technological geniuses. Fuck yeah. Us singers are good for something, goddammit. That's right. Once in a while, you know, it's like a broken clock. It's uh, it's right twice a day. So I'm here with Rob Flynn of Machine Head. Uh, dude, is it weird to call you like a metal legend at this point? Can I can I can I use that terminology when referring to you? I don't refer to myself in those terms, but you. Well, can of course you, you don't. Yeah. But it's it's interesting, you know, because you guys have had such a long, amazing career, put out so many great records, such a rabid fan base. Um, yet, you know, you've never been like the biggest band in metal. You know what I mean? You've always had this just, we're going to go just right down, you know, right down the center. I can visualize with you. I can visualize. I'm not used to this. I can use my hand <laughs> to, to visualize. But um, you know what I mean? So it, it's interesting because now it's like, shit, I read on your blog, Burn My Eyes came out 23 years ago. It's like, oh my God, that's crazy. So, you know, that is up there with a legendary metal, all the legendary metal records. So for you now to have the status, like, I doubt you even feel it. I mean, I never, it's hard for me to look at it in those terms. And as it probably is for you too, you know, like I think when you do an interview with somebody or especially when you're talking to the press, they want to kind of put your life into these sections right like these little cubicles based around an album and for me it's like i've just been living this moment and so you've just been going through whatever you go through and then here you are and totally you know it's crazy to me that you know when i whenever i sit back and i think about that look we've been here for 23 years been been, a band's been going since 92 so 26 years it's a fucking long time for a band to be making music this heavy and still be here. You know what I mean? It's not the traditional arc of a band. And so that's, that's the type of thing. Like when it hits me, that's what hit me. Like it's not the traditional arc of a band that you just kind of keep. You're right. We never, we never have been the biggest band, but it's just been a slow, steady climb and it's just continued to go up. And, uh, and yeah, we feel lucky and it was a lot of work and, sure. you know, and, and I feel like, I feel like now, like I give less of a fuck like about, <laughs> about what people think or what we're going to do with our music. And, and in yeah. some way there's a bit of a freedom with that, you know, because there's like, you know, I'm, we're just going to do what we want to do. And I think that's one of the lessons you learn of being around for so long that like, you just kind of cut a fall. You got to follow your gut. You got to go with what, yeah. with what makes you happy because fans are fickle. People will leave you in a heartbeat over the most, you know, over just life. You know, people, <laughs> sure. you know, Jamie Joss has got a theory that you lose 25% of your fan base with every album and that your job is to hopefully make up that 25% or well, sure. maybe even surpass it. Ideally, but at the very least, make that up. Well, let's go back to 1994, okay? You look out into the crowd, like, let's say, you know, you guys got two headline shows at the Roundhouse in London coming up, okay? Right. Yep. Awesome, right? Still right. killing it. That's amazing. You're going to look out at that crowd. How many of those people were with you guys in 1994 when Burn My Eyes <laughs> came out? 
a handful, right? a handful. You know, yeah. a handful. But yeah. obviously, that's that's been your goal. Is every record you put out, you've reinvented yourself. You've you've made great music. It's been consistent. And yes, you've kept fans. But the best thing is when you put out a great record, you know that you're going to be able to latch on all those younger fans again. And it's like it's like the old um, you know I don't know what movie it's from, but it's like you know um, that dude that's like you know going through his another year of college, and he's like I get older and the chicks stay the same age. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that kind of an idea, but but um, obviously that's creepy with fans. But you know what I'm saying? It's like you are there, like Rob Flint, 50 years old on stage. Harvey Weinstein movie. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a what? I think that was a Harvey Weinstein movie. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Too soon, my friend. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like you're 50 years old, you're up there, you're killing it, and you've been killing it. And a lot of those fans, every show you play, I want to know what percentage of those people have never seen your band before, because it's probably still what, a pretty man, high I, percentage. I ask that every night, and you'd be just shocked. You know, a yeah. good third of the crowd raises their hands every night no matter where we are, you know, like places we've been playing forever. You know, we played New York city. I don't know how many times. And it's like still a third of that crowd's raising their hands. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Like, welcome, welcome. Right. Yeah. It's just mind blowing, you know? Um, but you know, it's funny, you know, you talk about the fact that you're a heavy band and that, that it's amazing. You have this longevity for being a heavy, a fucking heavy band. And, one thing that I loved about Machine Head when you guys came out, it was like, you know, alternative music was huge. Metallica had cut their fucking hair. Well, maybe not yet. They were about to cut they their had, hair. They had. You know, the Black Album had come out and it had changed everything because it was such commercial success. And, you know, the idea of those, you know, metal subgenres like thrash metal and whatever, you know, you guys were associated with. You guys came out with, with this record and, in fuck, Davidian is just like, one of the most one of my favorite metal songs of all time that track it just comes in and you're just like okay this band isn't fucking around and you guys have never waned from that power in your music did you freeze no i'm i'm listening i wasn't yeah, sure if you were I, finished so I, well I, I mean i'm just i'm just looking for a comment but like well i guess my question is what was it like for you guys at that time, starting out and being like, fuck the mainstream, yet somehow you were a big commercial success? Um, that's a good question. I got lots of good we, questions. We, we, uh, you know, I think really early on, we realized that we were going to have to win people over in a totally different way. You know, we knew that we were way too heavy to be on the radio. We knew that we were way too heavy. You know, Headbangers Ball was gone. We knew we were never going to get played on anything like that. And that we were going to have to tour our asses off. And, you know, I think in, in a lot of ways, it just kind of makes your, you know, it changes your whole mindset because it's got to be this kind of long-term thinking. You know, we've right. toured no less than 16 months on every record, sometimes toured three years and three months. That was our longest tour cycle that we ever did three years and, and three months. And, and in doing so, you know, I, I think like having, you know, we did have a pretty good success right out the bat, especially in the UK, you know, like it was really big, but in America it was a long, hard slog. And, and in, in a lot of ways it was a lot more like we imagined it would be. And so, 
you know, it just kind of allowed us to, I think, you know, you kind of just find yourself and you just get confidence and you get, you know, you believe in yourself and, and pretty soon you're like, yeah, we can, you know, we can bring out more of what we are. You know, I mean, I think that despite the fact that we've always been a very, very heavy band, you know, we've always had quite a bit of melody and we've always had a lot of groove, you know, definitely influenced by hip hop and, you know, even stuff like gothy stuff like the cure and Alice in Chains. And I think just as we got older, we've just brought more of that melody in and became less afraid to incorporate it. You know, right. cause when we were first coming out, we were, you know, all the shows we were starting out with were grindcore, death metal, hardcore bands. And it was like, okay, we just got to fucking murder everybody. <laughs> and, and then at some <laughs> sure. point you just get comfortable in your skin and you're like, no man, like I like to sing and people like to sing. Like people want to fucking sing and let's do it. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny how you said earlier in the conversation like that, you know, you kind of, you're kind of done giving a fuck, you know, you're, you're, you know what I mean? Um, and, and I think a lot of that just comes with age, you know, as you get older, you've done it before, you know, it's worked out, you know, you're still here Mm -hmm. and you're more comfortable in your own skin. And I feel like that just translates to what we do as, you know, veteran bands And, and, in some ways, it's it's nothing. There's nothing better than the feeling of taking a chance, whether it's even just one track or a whole album or a tour or anything, artwork, whatever. When you take that chance and you put yourself out of your comfort zone, but then it fucking works out. Yes, there's nothing the better feeling. than that feeling. It's the best feeling. It really is, you know. Because and I feel like you guys have done that over and over again in your career. Yeah, and we did it a lot on this new record. You know, there's a, there's more than a few songs that are way outside of the traditional machine head (laughs) comfort Well, the new record, Catharsis, is out, uh, it's January 26th. What, what what is this record number what for you guys? Nine. Number nine. And that's impressive. And, you know, taking all these chances on the record and on the music, um, like obviously, you know, we talk about getting older and how, you know, you don't really give a shit. Is there always just a concern that this record is going to come out January 26th and it's going to be like not well received by the fans? Like the hardcore fans are going to be like, the record sucks, <laughs> not on board, don't want to see the band live. Is, is there a fear there? Or do you think that the, the trajectory of, of the albums and stuff between, you know, record six, seven, eight, nine, it, it makes sense and it adds up? I mean, I think you're always going to have people who don't like it, something you do. You know what I mean? Like you're never not going to have that. It's, I mean, and it, it's kind of unrealistic to think that you would like, of course you want, everybody wants the record to be loved. You know, like that's yeah. what you are an artist, but, and, and to me, that's, you're an artist. And I think our job is to put out art. And sure. when you put it out to the world, it's to be judged. Some people will love it. Some people will hate it. And that's the price of being an artist. That's the price of putting out art for the world to judge. And so when I always look at it in those terms, it doesn't bother me because I know that, you know, especially with this record, like we killed it. You know, we got, we got a game changer on our hands, a record that's really fresh and new and exciting. And it's provocative. I know some people aren't going to like some of the shit that's being said on this record. And I really, I can't care about that. 
because this is what we made. And you can't, and when you start, I think it's a big danger for bands to start worrying about what someone might think about your music because you never know what anybody's going to think. You know, it's all just a fucking crapshoot. Like you're putting out your <laughs> music. Like you could write what you think is the best fucking songs ever. And dudes are just like, fuck you guys or chicks or whatever. And you know, I think if you fail in that respect, it really hurts. Like it's going to kill you way more than if you just did what you felt was the right thing to do and failed, because at least you did what you felt was right. than what you thought someone else might think. Absolutely. Well, you use the word provocative. And first of all, it's a great word to use. And, and you're talking about lyrics, right? I mean, and you're a very outspoken guy. And um, lyrically, this record, I mean, I mean, what are some of the subjects that you brought up that like you think are really going to either resonate with people? I mean, or resonate with people one way or the other. Either they're going to be on board with you and, you know, Rob Flynn of Machine Heads Views, or they're going to be like, no, like, fuck this guy. Why is he talking about this? Or this doesn't belong on a Machine Head record. Um, I mean, to me, I think the two songs that are probably going to, you know, that are probably the most current events are the opening track, Volatile and Bastards. Mm -hmm. You know, Volatile, okay. Volatile is I wrote and recorded that song on the day of the Charlottesville murder. And uh, we oh, had yeah. the, we had the music already, which we had with the last song written for the record. But, you know, we were in the studio. I was watching everything happen in Charlottesville over unfold over the last two days. And uh, I just, I remember watching Heather Meyer get murdered and seeing that fucking crazy footage of that car plowing through everybody down that crazy brick right. lane. And I was just like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on? And I went into the what lounge. What year is it, right? Like that yeah. is just. What is going on? You know, we got fucking white supremacists marching every two fucking weeks in the U.S. now. It's fucking crazy. And so I sat down and I wrote lyrics for I went to the lounge of the studio and I wrote lyrics for 25 minutes and 20 minutes later I sang it and wow if music is a snapshot of somebody's headspace in a moment you got a pissed off angry frustrated confused snapshot of what I had just seen and that's track one that's the opening track. Wow. That must be incredible. I mean, you guys have made so many records over the years and you've made big budget records where you're talking about, you know, for people that don't understand, it can get so not cool, like after a while of recording a record. You know, you go through some songs where you write like three, four choruses. Yes. Right? Totally. Over and over again. Totally. And you try to write the best. And by the end, it's like, does this song even fucking mean anything to me anymore? It's totally. just like we're just talking about like a song like it's a, a a math problem or something. Yeah. You're not talking about it like art anymore. And you know what? So, Sometimes that's like that, you know, that that volatile track, was, that's a pretty rare occurrence. You know, that happened a oh, couple sure. times on this Absolutely. record. And then I'm with you right there. There was a couple songs in this record. I went through seven fucking choruses and I couldn't write a chorus to save my life. I was like, come on. And finally, right. it, hit. it finally it hit, and then when it hits, you know, and you're like, okay, this is this is good. But man, harnessing that, harnessing that power and that energy and that feeling and that emotion, and then not only just 
25 minutes. Like that's amazing. I mean, I've never written a, I've never, I've had lyrics where you're writing and you feel like someone's just handing you this line, like, and it can come real easy and just sort of flow. And then there's other, you know, and that's an amazing feeling, but to be able to not only write it, record it and boom, you're like, you're talking about half a day. You've harnessed this feeling you have of a current event. That is absolutely incredible, Rob. And like, I can't wait to hear this record now. I mean, that's like, you've hyped it up with, with an amazing story. That's incredible. I mean, this, this whole thing, this whole idea of racism, I mean, uh, I have to bring it up. I mean, you know, your racism in metal video that you posted about Phil Anselmo, um, that obviously turned a lot of fucking heads. That's up to like 2 million views on YouTube or something like that. Um, your stance here, I believe it should just be everyone's stance. And your decision to go out on a platform and speak up, it should be everyone's decision. Why do you think you've taken so much shit over speaking not only your mind, but what most people believe and, and everyone should believe? Uh, I, there's, a, there's a very loud vocal minority. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, unfortunately, that's kind of just the way it is. You know, that loud vocal minority speaks everywhere and you just got to kind of deal with it. Um, you know, I, I expected, I mean, I didn't make that oblivious to the fact that there would be some backlash. Um, you know, I expected, I expected mainly from that camp more than anything. What I wasn't prepared for was the thousand death threats and neo-Nazis calling my house and threatening my wife and kids Oh my god! and neo-Nazi groups threatening to disrupt our shows in Germany and Madrid, Spain. And, and oh that god. was like, holy shit. It was fucking crazy, you know? And it, and it's, and it was scary. It was scary. I mean, it got really intense for a while. And, you know, after, after a point, it was just kind of like, you know what? Fuck this shit, man. Fuck these assholes. Fuck right. these people. You know, like it kind of just makes you go. I'm glad I said this shit, you know, and a lot of people are like, would you do it again? I don't know if I'd do it again, man. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing when it involves your family and your personal life and, and your, your bandmates yeah. Your fans your shows i, I mean know. everybody you know like, i know and you know it's funny now because people are just like you're the dude who stands up and says stuff like i'm just like i'm not the like don't put that on me like you know metal sucks called me the the moral authority of metal. i'm like i'm not the moral authority of metal like you, know, you ever watch not. the walking like, dead like the moral no. authority is the guy who always dies you know like don't put that oh, shit geez, on me that's dark man <laughs> so I'm just some fucking dude who got sick of. I got some dude. You're, I'm just some dude who got sick of watching it. You know, I've been watching that shit for twenty fucking years, and I was sick of seeing him do it. And I had to stand. I I didn't have to stand on stage ever before, and I had to stand on stage that time. And you know, I just said what I said. And you know, at this point, it's old news. It's two years ago at this point. I know it so. is. I know it is. It, it's. I mean, it's still. It's. It's. It's as relevant now as ever. Oh, it's I mean, more. It's what's fucking going more on relevant. It's gone so much more. You know, it's so much more beyond that now you know it's way beyond metal right it is but do you think now i mean machine head lyrics are more important than they've ever been because you're tackling broaching some of these subjects that you know you've never ever talked about before i mean we've always had a social 
political stance. And, you know, I don't want to sit here and paint myself as like, you know, the, the, the thing that bothers me the most about the moral authority is like, I'm a fucking scumbag. Like <laughs> I've been, a, I've been touring since I was 19 years old, man. Like fucking my, I've seen some crazy shit. I've done some crazy shit. Like I'm a fucking mess. Like if your life needs direction, don't follow my direction. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Follow what I've said, not what I've done. Yeah, like, and, and it's not even that. It's just that, I, you know, I, as a band guy, I just kind of did what I thought was right, you know? And that's it. Like, don't look to me like I'm not your leader. Like, I'm fucking just as lost as, as you are. Like, I don't fucking have the answers. I don't know where the fucking fuck I'm going. My life is a mess. I came from an unbelievably poor, dysfunctional family. And I'm fucking lost too. I'm looking for someone to lead me. Like I'm right. one. I'll follow you. Like if you know the way, I'll follow you. It's like so when people try and put that on me, I'm like, don't you know? Don't put that on me. No, that's wow, wow. So much there. Um, you're pretty active on social media, and, and you know, and you have a blog for an old and everything like that. That, that is <laughs> that is great, and. and you know, you're you're a guy that's at at an age where, and uh, uh, bands don't typically put themselves out like that anymore. Because let's be honest, in the '90s, there was nothing like that. You guys have really embraced, you know, the new and the changing in culture uh, with social media and music. Was that tough for you to swallow at first, or did it just kind of go with your personality? Because it seems like personality-wise, it works with you. I. Uh... I mean, as far as the blogs, you know, I've, I've always done them. I've, I've been writing diaries for years. And at one point, magazines used to ask me to actually write a diary right before, yeah. you know, so I just write it and then they'd print my handwritten stuff. And, and so it was pretty, it was pretty natural uh, for me to, to continue doing it. You know, the, I think one of the biggest things about like the social media and the internet and embracing it was, um, you know, right around our fourth album was basically and this sounds ridiculous to say but it was the start of the internet <laughs> so <laughs> like the internet didn't really exist prior to that sure and and uh you know i've i had a couple of younger buddies who were working on our on our web stuff and they were just they were just showing it all to me and i was like this is fucking incredible like this is amazing you know they were taking me to message boards and stuff where people you could communicate directly with your fans you know practically in real time i was like this is fucking incredible like you yeah. could never do this before and I just thought it was rad because you could communicate. And uh, there was a big, um, you know, I don't want like blacklisting is too strong of a word, but like the press turned on us, you know, especially like the UK press really turned on us. The US press really turned on us. And we couldn't get like magazines flat out refused to even do a story on us when we dropped the new record. Wow. And so we really like at that point it was like, well, fuck, how do we communicate with our fans? Like, how do we tell our fans like what we're doing that we're putting out new albums that we got tours coming up. Right. And so we turned, you know, my buddies, I was like, let's turn to the internet. We started doing it. And you know, this sounds ridiculous to say nowadays, but we started putting up videos of what we were doing. We started putting up blogs about what we were doing and posting constantly on the internet. And you know, you're, this is back in like 99, 2000. And, yeah. and, people started hearing about it. And so that became, it was really out of necessity because it was the only way at that point that we could, Crazy. and we just continued to do it. And then, you know, the tide turned and magazines kind of came around and I was like, well, you know what, this is really important for us. 
maybe even more important than the magazines. So we're going to keep on doing this and, you know, just keep on going with it. I fucking, I love it, man. You know, like the way well, that it, I don't, I'm not one of those old dudes who go, Oh my God, it was so much better. And it wasn't, it sucked in the past, you know, like I, the challenge used to be, okay, how do you get your record into the store and then maybe get the end cap, right? So that everybody who right. walked in could see it on the side of the aisle. There's no record stores anymore. There's no end caps anymore. Now it's <laughs> how do you cut through the fucking feed that has an endless stream of shit coming down and get somebody to stop for more than 15 seconds and take a look at anything you're doing, a video, a record, a song, a fucking YouTube live or whatever. And, right. you know, I think that we've just grown with that. And, you know, like, you know, like to me, I haven't bought a CD in, in 10 years. I'll never buy another CD. Again. I'll never buy another CD again. I'm in the business of selling music. You're in the business of selling music, sure. but I can tell you right now, I'll never buy a CD again. I was the dude who carried that gigantic CD wallet with me everywhere yeah. on tour covered in beer and vodka and scratched up. And you know, <laughs> I'm so fucking glad I don't have to carry that shit anymore. Like I've got Spotify. I got the history of music on Spotify at my fingertips. I can listen to it. I can look and see what, Silverstein's top five songs are according to their fans and see how many people right. are listening to them a month. And you know, if I don't know where to start with a band like you or a band like anybody else, I can go, well, this is a good place to start these f Absolutely. top five, top 10 songs. And that's amazing to me. That's amazing yeah. to me that we live in a world where, you know, I do a Facebook live every Friday and I do a YouTube live every Tuesday and amazing. then, and then an Instagram live every Monday or Wednesday, depending on what, the band is doing and it's like you know the other day we were sitting there and somebody sent me a ping that was like hey somebody wants to join your conversation on instagram and i knew you could do this on facebook because i've done it a few times but i didn't yeah. know you could do it on instagram and i was like oh shit you can do this on instagram live now but ding and i brought in this dude from fucking you know england or someplace in a, i can't even remember where he's from now and then we sat there and we were in a rehearsal and the the band and him just sat there rapping on instagram live for fucking five minutes or whatever it was Set. and i was like this is so fucking rad that you can do this shit now like you could never do this before and i think it's incredible i love what the technology has brought and yeah it's brought some bad stuff along with it sure but it's brought a lot of amazing stuff with it as well and i choose to see the good side of it Totally. You brought up one really interesting thing that I haven't thought about maybe ever because, you know, my band straddled the line of, of between when, you know, when the internet kind of came out and, and, you know, um, and when it didn't. But it's amazing to me that you put out a record, okay, and press doesn't want to cover it. So people don't even know it, it exists. Back like then, putting yourself sure. at yeah, the mercy then, of the, the press was. back then. That is just, to me, is so kind of horrible. And something that bands today can't even fathom. You can't even wrap your head around that. Like, you know when you make a press release, right? Like, let's say you write something, you type something out, and the press release goes out, and, and someone, like, let's just say Kerrang! or something picks it up, and then they don't include your whole press release. They just take a couple snippets. Yes. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck. Well, what the hell? Annoying like, as I want, fuck. I, I wrote this whole thing for a reason. <laughs> it's so annoying, right? <laughs> Extrapolating that back to like the 90s, let's say when there was no internet, 
And you might, you okay, first of all, you're lucky to get an interview. Second of all, someone's going to paraphrase whatever you maybe said, and that's the only way you can communicate that to your fan base? Yes, through their that eyes. That is and, horrible. And, and, and think about it in another way. It's through their eyes. So if that person exactly. likes you, then you know, you're probably going to come across good. But if that person got a heart on for you, he can paint you as the biggest fucking dick, even if you're not, you know, take every word and just kind of twist it just that little bit and make you yep. sound like a fucking jackass. And, you know, to not, you know, to some degree that's still there, of course, but in another way, it's, you know, that's erased and that's awesome. Totally. Well, I mean, I think it speaks to your, you know, your adaptability and your willingness to do these, these things. Uh, you know, after your band is on their ninth, your ninth album, you know, to over twenty, almost twenty five years in, I guess now, um, that's I- incredible. And I mean, I think that that is a big part of your success. Uh, one thing you're doing on, you know, your tour coming up, which is a fuck a massive tour, you're doing VIP packages, sure, where you're doing meet and greets and and meeting fans and stuff. That is definitely not something that was going on, you know, back in the nineties. Uh, no. no, definitely. So, not. how has that been for you guys? Is that something that that you enjoy? You know, we, we, you know, for us, it was like a weird thing, you know, especially because we had never, that was like people, like back in the nineties, people would have shit all over that. They would have been like, fucking rock star. Like what? Like it just wasn't, it was just not okay. And, uh, and then at some point it became okay. And we, I think we resisted it for a long time. We were definitely not into it. We just thought, you know, uh, you know, charging somebody for your autographs kind of weird and. And, uh, and then we just tried it. We're like, you know what? Fucking let's just try it. And I think with, with our band more, you know, I don't want to say more than other people, but just, we're just a band that's willing to like, let's fuck it. Let's try it. I don't know if this is going to fucking work. I don't know if it is going to work. Let's just give it a shot and see what happens. And we gave that a shot and it was killer. And, you know, we limit, we limit it. So it's a very kind of exclusive thing and it's 30 people. And we try, I make, we all we we all agreed that we need to give each person two minutes, you know, like at the very least give somebody two minutes of your time and just have a conversation with them. Let them take selfies, let them ask some questions, whatever, and just make it, try and make it each person there feel special and make them sure. feel, you know, like that, that they have a moment rather than just do this assembly line thing where you're like, okay, fucking, but you know, I've watched some guys do it. It's like a, an assembly line. They don't even look up and fucking say hi to the dude. Just autograph later. <laughs> and it's, you know, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's the way they want to do it. We chose to do it another way. And, you know, people are just like, it's fucking rad. They're like, this is, this is the best VIP we've ever done. This is so fucking awesome. You guys sat there talking to us. Thank you so much. And, you know, and I think that you, you know, going back to that mentality that we had back in 94, it is about winning each person over one by one. You know, we know, right. we, you know, even now we're still a really heavy band. We barely get any radio play. Like we got to do things differently. We have to look at the world differently. We have to look at music differently and, and give it a shot. You know, even with the, the, the thing that we're touring, we're doing the evening with, you know, it's just us two and a half, three hours every night, no opening bands. And it's like, yeah, I can't even tell you how many people tried to talk us out of it. This is what jam bands do. Hippie band, like metal bands don't do this. Metal bands are all about packages. And I was like, I don't fucking know if it's going to work, but let's just give it a shot because I hate what we've been doing for the last 10 years. So let's try something else. <laughs> and that is uh, re- leads me right to my next question. And that, that is a, 
amazing thing you're doing, just so people understand. No opening bands. You guys play a two and a half to three hour set. Yep. Um, I, you, you already answered the question of how you just why you decided to do it. How is that as a singer? I mean, you guys are playing like I'm looking at your tour dates. You guys go pretty old school with how you tour. Yeah. You're not do you guys do pretty much like you're on the road two months straight or longer, a couple yeah. like a couple days off here and there for sure. How is that for your voice holding up, especially you know for somebody who's been screaming for over two decades? I you know in some ways it's easier because when you do the evening with thing, you know we've always had a. You know, even though we are a heavy band, we've always had these very mellow, melodic moments. You know, a song like The Burning Red or a song like Descend the Shades of Night or Darkness Within. You know, they're these quieter moments and it gives the audience a break. It gives the band a break. And, you know, whereas when you're coming out and you're doing a, you know, say you're doing a festival slot, you got 35 minutes. It's just fucking smash, 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 like, you know, yep. crush everything. Circle pits around the fucking soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> and and while that is there with us, too, we get to have that breather. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I had to change. I used to drink pretty heavily. You know, I was, I'm well known for, for my, my vodka and Coke's drinks, which is called a brown eye, Grey Goose and Coke. And, uh, <laughs> and at some point, I kind of had to go drinking or singing <laughs> because you can't do both. And uh, so yeah, I had to kind of, okay. I had like, I had to, especially like, you know, doing four shows in a row, three hours a night. Like it was just too much. And so, uh, you know, just a couple of things like that. But, but for the most part, I think it's just about train. Like I train a lot. I train pretty hard before the tour starts to get in shape so that when I go on tour, I'm in fucking good shape and you got to have that discipline. You got to have that, you know, the discipline to train beforehand, the discipline to not overindulge the night, you know, after a super rad show and you're, right, everybody wants to party and just, you know, go kick it. And, you know, it's a little bit boring here and there, but at the same time, you know, man, if I get up there and suck because I'm hungover or because I spent the fucking rest of the night blabbing somebody's ear off and now my throat's killing me. I will beat myself up the whole fucking show. Like it's so not worth it to me because the inner dialogue in my head will just be like, you fucking dick. You should have just stopped fucking drinking. You shouldn't like, right. you know what I mean? Like I, it's just, it's not worth it. Like I, I'm way too hard on myself and the fucking dialogue going through the show. Like every time I fuck up or every time my voice cracks, I'll just be fucking pissed at myself. And I'd rather not feel that way. Like I don't want to feel sure. that way. I want to go out there and crush it. I feel like I'm, you know, if I don't do that, I feel like I'm letting everybody down. I feel like I'm letting my band down. I feel like I'm letting the fans down, myself down. And so I just choose to, you know, do it another way so that I can go up there and fucking be a hundred percent every night because that makes me feel fucking, I love that, you know, like to go up there and know that, it, you know, you're owning it to know that you're killing it, you know, to know that you're delivering the absolute best for your fans like that, that, is what does it for me. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's, it's, it's inspiring in some ways. I mean, to like a lot of musicians listen to this show and stuff and, and hearing you say that it's, it's, I think everyone can relate to that. You know, um, Tell performance you. is the most important thing. And, and if you're not a hundred percent, there's no worse feeling. And you know, it's amazing that the steps you take to try to get there. How old are you? Uh, incredible. How Sorry? old are you? I'm 36. So, uh, and I'm still drinking, uh, very happy. Oh, I was drinking well, well past 36. 
<laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I've, I've had problems recently. I've talked about it a couple times on this podcast about I've had, I'm getting pretty bad acid reflux problems. Yes, right. On stage? And it's, um, it's, it's, no, or on stage, it kind of goes away. I think it's like uh, the adrenaline comes and I don't feel it on stage, but it's kind of just bleeding into my, like, you know, my everyday life. You know, I've had like some pretty horrible, you know, moments and nights, you know, up all night and, and, you know, I, the other day I was, I felt like ill. I'd been drinking and I felt ill and I got up and I never really throw up and I threw up like just black everywhere, which is like not good. So, you know, That's I've been going to the doctor and stuff, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to come to terms with like, Hey, you, like you said, drinking, singing, what's yeah. it going to be yeah. and what's important to you. And, and I get a like, lot, I get a lot it's more. A, it's a decision people don't want to make. Yeah, you don't want to make that decision. I didn't want to make that decision. I wanted to be able to do both forever. <laughs> but it just came yeah, that time and you know, maybe it'll maybe it'll come that time or maybe it won't, you know, maybe it's just like a dietary thing, you know, maybe you just got to you know, I mean, I don't know like how is it for you? Do you have to do you eliminate certain foods when you're on tour? I do. I'm uh, like a total fucking I'm a maniac about that shit. Yeah, people are. I'm not. Like I I people always say, "Oh, what do you do for your voice? Like what do you do?" and and like no like diet like food wise like do you eliminate any foods while you're on tour? no no yeah. i don't i no, eliminate I don't. see i eliminate i eliminate salsa i eliminate cheese so like yeah. i won't so if i got a day off the next day that night i'll fucking have pizza or whatever but during the rest <laughs> of the week i'll eliminate cheese i won't ever have like sauce you know to salsa or anything like that i'll uh you know try and stay on low fat shit as much as i can you know, I've been kind of overweight my whole life. So in another way, it just kind of helps me. Like I've never not yeah. like, I've never been the dude that had a six pack. <laughs> so right. like, I've always just kind of got this perma layer of fat and, and, uh, and so in a good, in a way it kind of helps me in that sense too, because I'm kind of, for, I, I don't know. I just like, I get too congested with cheese, man. That's what people say. I've never, I was vegan for a while. Uh, and I went, you know, I went back from, from vegan. I became vegetarian again. Oh, I you were vegan. Oh, shit. Okay. I never noticed a difference at all. Never. All right. Well, good. Yeah. So, That's I mean, killer. you know, I, I, but a lot of people say, oh my God, I have like, if I eat pizza or whatever, I'm just like, yeah, I'm congested. Oh, if I eat a burrito, I, I if I eat a burrito before a show, I'm shot. Like I'm so fucking shot. Like I'll just, it'll be the, like, I can't do it. Wow. Yeah. Like what, what, well, what's in salsa that, that. Like the spicy that? shit. That's oh, what will come shit, up, yeah. you know, like that's what will give me the acid shit. Yeah. Well, I went to the doctor a while back because I, you know, was having this problem and I said, you know, and they said, okay, well, the five things that cause it are, are smoking, drinking, uh, caffeine, spicy food and eating late at night. And I was like, well, like, I don't smoke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you know, and Four she, out of five she said like, bad. Look, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's like, you got to cut some things out. So yeah. I actually stopped drinking coffee. Oh, wow, okay. Man. All right. And it actually did, it actually really did help. Awesome. So, but but the other things like oh my god, spicy I need spicy food. You know, or I'm like I'm miserable without it. Do you feel like uh do you feel like you have lead singer syndrome? Oh, we all do, dude. Come on. <laughs> Come on. You got any um you got any stories? I like to ask this once in a while. Do you have any stories of when your lead singer syndrome really came through? Like a memory of like uh when you were just a total diva? Oh, I'm I'm a total diva bitch all the time. <laughs> you know, it's funny to me. It's when you, when she said the name of the podcast, I was like, oh my God, that's fucking awesome. You know, because it's yeah. like, 
It's it's such an overused term at this point. Like it's applied to everything. I hear that fucking lead singer syndrome all yeah. the fucking time. And uh you know the thing is it I think that it's such a crazy thing to me because in order to be a singer you're either an uber extrovert or you're yep. in my, in my case you're an uber introvert. So when I was younger growing up, like I had, I could barely be social, you know, like I couldn't really interact with people. Like it was really difficult. Like, like I couldn't just walk up to somebody and start a conversation. Like I just couldn't right. do that. You know, like even like all the girls that I ever got with, even when I was, you know, first started dating and stuff, they always fell into my lap. Literally. Like I just couldn't <laughs> go up and do that. And you know, it's almost like that famous Lemmy saying, like the reason you get into rock and roll is to get pussy. <laughs> it's like and it's like, in some strange way that's what it was and then you 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 know at some point you do that but but i always wanted to be on stage i always yeah. loved being on stage i was always trying out for school talent shows i always wanted to be like in first grade i wanted to be in the play i wanted to be peter rabbit you know what i mean like i had to be sure. like the main dude and and i think in some ways at least in my case it was definitely a way for me to force my way out of my shell, you know, to force my way out of this kind of, you know, weird, socially awkward person and to like, and, and to find myself, you know, to help find myself. And I didn't, and I didn't even know what that was. I always loved singing, but then you get it up on stage, you have to, you know, you can't be in that shell anymore. You know, this more than anybody, right. like when you get up there, you've got to fucking project all the way to the to back of that confidence. Room. Yeah, you have to like, and if you don't, you lose people. People see right through you. And I think to me, I think when, you know, the singers that I've gravitated towards and, and, and even just the singers that I, you know, a talent that I can admire, I think the biggest thing is, and this sounds totally hippy dippy to say, but like, I think when like somebody's really fucking killing it as a singer, you can see their soul, you know? And when, wow. and when you can't see their soul, that's when you're like, yeah, this kind of sucks. Or, you know, you, you don't really know why you don't really think about it in those terms, but you just don't feel like you're seeing everything. And that when somebody's really truly putting it out there, you're putting out your soul and, and, and with putting out your soul, you're putting out your flaws. You're putting out your, arrogance you're putting out your insecurity you're putting out your love you're putting out your hate you're putting out your sadness you're putting out your joy and that opens you up to slings and arrows you know like the, your haters yeah. everybody's going to have their haters and they've got their ammunition because but if you don't do that if you don't show your soul it's all for nothing because you won't no one will care you know, because we're all so, so enclosed, true, man. we're all so enclosed. We're also like how, you know, whatever. And, and, and when I'm off stage, I go right back to being kind of like, you know, it's still difficult for me to just walk up to somebody and start talking. But I know when I'm on stage, I know that I can project and I know that I can just do this. And I've done it for so long that I don't even think about it. I know what I need to do the second I walk on stage. And I know that I have to show those flaws because that's what, those people have that. And when I say, when I talk about my pain or I sing about my issues, people are 
seeing their issues. And to me, that's what the beauty of music is. You know, you're having this kind of shared catharsis, this shared release. And maybe your experience is different from my experience, but we're both going through it together in some way. Yeah. And that's what totally. is so fucking powerful about music to me. And I've had, and I'm and what, not just saying that and I'm not just saying that because I do no. that to people. I've had that effect from other singers as well. Of so course, I know it's that's real. That's the thing, man. It's it's amazing that we can play different kinds of music, you and I. You know, and this podcast, I talk to everybody, every genre. There's no genre out of bounds. If you're a frontman, frontwoman of a band, you belong on the show. And there's something that you can that we can have. We have something in common. And you know, you first of all, great, great dropping the catharsis new record line there. Yeah, I like that. Um, it, you know, and, and it just it just goes to show that that what you're doing as a metal uh, singer, there's still emotion to it. It all music is emotional. It doesn't matter whether it's you know hip hop or or metal or whatever music I'm playing. Like it still has a deep set emotion that you have to project to people, and it, and it's it's incredible that that. The, the more you do this, the more you realize people are the same and people want the same thing. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, it was awesome talking to you, man. I awesome really talking en- to you, man. I really enjoyed this. This was, su- this is such a different uh, conversation that I've had for the last couple of weeks and it was a pleasure. So, well, that's the goal here, man. It's, it's just do something different and, and really, you know, talk about the shit people don't talk about in interviews. Yeah. It's good rap with so, you. Best of luck with the podcast, everything, touring, all your future. New record drop in January 26. Catharsis, it's out. And a big tour to follow. So everybody check it out. The tickets are on sale now. America, Europe, uh, UK, it's all happening for Rob Flynn and the boys. And thank you again, Rob, for, for being here. Oh, yeah, man. Take it easy, dude. Cheers. All the best, man. Late. Take care. Thanks. There it is with Rob. What a dude. What a busy dude. Oh, man. Such a nice dude, though. And uh, make sure you guys are going to see Machine Head play an epic show on this tour. Man, two and a half, three hours. That is that is so crazy. I could not do that. They've got to be one of the hardest working bands out there in metal. So kudos to them. I just saw they're playing Toronto on my birthday. So any Torontonians, check out that show. I'm sure they're playing all the nice cities. So check it out. Before I go and play a tune, I want to give another big shout out to our sponsor, Rockabilia. Seriously, if you want the best quality and the coolest items officially licensed, head over to rockabilia.com, rock a b i l i a.com and remember to use my promo code PCLSS and that's your ticket to 15% off your entire order. Rockabilia. Rock a Billia. All right, it's time. I will leave you with a tune. Now make sure your stereo is fucking cranked for this one. The drum fill is going to kick in, then one of the greatest riffs ever, and then wait for the breakdown. So here it is, one of my favorite, if not my absolute favorite metal songs ever, Davidian, of course, by the almighty Machine Head. Play it loud on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week.